there are things and there are times in life when we do face fear, uh, when we experience fear. And uh, I am not here to send you on a guilt trip of telling you that you must never experience fear whatsoever. That would not be true. Listen carefully, please. I'm here to tell you that allowing your fear to become your daily companion is wrong. I am here to tell you that living in constant fear is not only a sin for those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, but it has such physical, psychological, spiritual, harmful consequences that you don't want to live in that way at all. Living with fear can hold you in a mental prison, literally. Persistent in living in fear is going to impact all of your relationships. It's going to distort your view of reality. It's going to distort your view of God. And when your view of God is distorted, Satan will come in, and he will found that this to be his opportunity to take you away into a spiritual ghetto where he can have his way with you. And that is precisely why the Bible is filled with fear not, fear not, fear not. And whenever God said fear not, He always gave you the reason why. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, fear not. Why? Because God loves you. In Psalm 139.10, fear not. Why? Because God holds you. And in Psalm 121 verse 5, fear not. Why? Because God keeps you. And when God said to Abraham, fear not, Why? He said, because I'm with you. When he said to Isaiah, fear not. Why? Because I already have redeemed you and delivered you. God never says to us in his word, get rid of that fear. You have no business being afraid. Or get rid of that fear out of your life. In fact, Timothy was a very fearful young man, and in his showing in his life, and that is why the apostle Paul never once said to him, he said, How dare you, budding preacher like you, a good, gifted young man like you, a man of God like you, have no business of fearing. Absolutely not. You can't find that in the Scripture. In fact, he just said to him, he said, Timothy, remember that when you experience fear, check your spiritual temperature. That when you experience fear, go and check the gauge, the fuel tank of your faith. Check and see Who are you listening to? Check and see who you've been hanging out with. Check and see who's got your ear. Go and check and see your thought pattern. Check and see your life goals. Except Paul, of course, didn't say all of that. (laughs) I'm just interpreting it for you. Here's what he said. He said, hey, Timothy, did you know that the spirit of fear is not from God? Did you know that? What does it mean? It means that when a spirit, whether it be the spirit of fear or any other demon, is not from God, then it must be from Satan. There's no third source. Any spirit that is not the Holy Spirit is a spirit from Satan. And that evil spirit from Satan can overwhelm you every time. He can dominate your thought pattern. He can overcome you whenever you are not walking with the Lord. 
closely, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. The same goes with the spirit of lust and the spirit of greed that is destroying the world economy today. It's the same with the spirit of addiction that has many people enslaved in its grip with any spirit that is not from God. And all of these spirits are not from God, therefore must and have no place in the life of a child of God. But if you hang out with God, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically even, these spirits will take off. They will not hang out with you for very long. If you fill your mind with the promises of God that are found in the Word of God constantly, those spirits will take off. If your life's focus is the glory of God and the serving of God and ministering to others and witnessing for Him in your workplace, those spirits will take off. But if you hang out with the prophets of doom and gloom, if you listen too much to the merchants of panic, if you are daily immersed in the murky water of this world, if you spend few minutes a day in prayer and reading the Scripture, then spend hours listening and reading all these bad news, then that spirit, which is from Satan, is going to cover you like a wet blanket. Now, let me get to the bottom line. And the bottom line about fear is this, is distrusting God. Because most fear and I'm not saying all of fear, I'm saying most fear is based on what if, what if, what if, what if. And that is why most fear, again, not all fear, most fear is irrational. Now, I want to show you from the Word of God, from the Scripture, how the Lord Jesus is teaching His disciples not to hang out with the spirit of fear. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8 beginning at verse 23. Very short passage, five verses. Basically, the disciples and Jesus, after a long, hard day of ministering, got into a boat. Jesus, being bone-tired, exhausted, He went to sleep right in the boat. Meanwhile, unprecedented. Can you say that word with me? I can't pronounce it very well. Can you help me, please? Can you say unprecedented? Thank you. Now I can try to pronounce it better. It's very important because most of us will read that passage and run with it, but it is unprecedented storm. They have never experienced anything like it. They have never seen anything like it. In all the years on the Sea of Galilee, in all the years of fishing, in all the years of knowing that place backward and forward, they have never seen anything like this. And so... That unprecedented storm threatened to capsize the boat, and they were going to drown right in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night. The waves were just tossing that boat like a cork on the water. And so they yell out, Jesus, we're perishing. Master, the one thing that sticks out in my mind in this whole incident is the fact that Jesus would not still the storm first and then rebukes them second. He doesn't do that. I know the story is familiar to so many of us, if not all of us. 
But please do not allow your familiarity with the incident to rob you of a new insight from the Word of God. First, if anyone should be afraid and terrified is the person that's about to drown in the middle of the water in the middle of the night. I mean, if they had any right to be afraid, these folks should have been afraid. I want you to translate this into your life, whatever's going on in your life. And what goes on in your life and in my life are very different. So translate that situation to your life. What is causing you to fear? What is threatening the boat of your life right now? Is it your business that's going under? Is it your savings that seem to be vanishing? Is it your job that has been eliminated? Is it your marriage that is sinking? Is it your health that is tumbling? Is it your stocks that has taken a nosedive? Whatever it is that seems to be threatening the boat of your life today, you take those words, you translate them to your situation, and you will be blessed by the end of this message. Whatever is threatening to drown you happens often in the middle of the night. Second, there can be no greater fear than the fear that come upon us suddenly. I mean, no warning, no flashing lights, uh, no one to say, hey, watch what's coming, be prepared for this, nothing. It, it is no greater fear than the sudden fear. There was no sign that a storm was brewing on the horizon. None. Because otherwise, those veteran seamen would not have got in. The Weather Channel never predicted anything but smooth sailing. The meteorologist said it's going to be light breeze, beautiful sky. This storm came swiftly and with tremendous force. Now, you notice one thing that is, if you listen to the pundits and the talking heads and and the news people, and the common thing that they talk about all the time, uh, these so-called experts, and the, <laughs> they keep repeating that statement in the media about the condition, this, this economic tsunami that seemed to have hit the world. They keep saying, we just didn't see it coming. <laughs> we just did not, we did not expect anything like that. <laughs> these Wall Street experts been paid billions of dollars, <laughs> and they didn't see it. They didn't see it. They didn't warn us. They were all taken by surprise. So did the apostles. Three. They did not have life jackets. <laughs> they did not have lifeboats. They did not have a mothership to retrieve to. They had no rescue plan. They had no backup plan. They had no plan B. Remember, there was no sign of a storm. Why would they make plans for anything like this? But within a matter of minutes, their ship was being swamped by the roaring waves. Question, where was Jesus? Now, there was a time when they were in the middle of a storm, and Jesus was up in the mountain watching. But this time, he's in the boat. <laughs> he's right there with them. Oh, but he was sleeping through it all. God's greater purpose in mind, namely to demonstrate the power of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, God's only anointed, over nature. When He healed the diseases and healed the sick, 
He demonstrated His power over disease. When He raised the dead, He demonstrated His power over death. When He exorcised the demon possessed, He demonstrated His power over Satan and all of His minions. And here, He's demonstrating His power over the natural forces. But again, the amazing part, He rebukes the disciples before He calms the storm. Now, I'm going to stay here just for a bit. In fact, the rest of the message. And you'll understand why at the end. Because I think all of us, come on, (laughs) and including yours truly, in fact, I may be ahead of the pack. I would have loved it the other way around. I can tell you from personal experience, from many storms in my life, I wish God had just stopped that storm in my life first and then gave me the rebuke. But there are many times I hear His sweet voice, His gracious voice, His kind voice, His merciful voice of a word of rebuke before I could see the storm abating. All want Jesus to take away that which frightens us before He starts giving us a sermon. <laughs> we would rather He stops the storm first before He teaches us the lesson We want Him to answer our prayers first and then teach us whatever He wants to teach us later. But you know what? He's the Creator. He made us. He knows us too well, far better than we know ourselves. And He knows that once He gets us out of your fear, out of my fear, once He stills the storm in your life and in my life, once He delivers us from fear, we're not as willing to listen. (laughs) We're not as willing to learn. We're not as willing to grow. Try to use your imagination here. Imagine these guys, never seen anything like it, absolutely terrified. It's something they've never seen, never experienced before. And yet the first thing Jesus said when they woke him up, why are you afraid? Oh, give me a break. <laughs> well, I'm afraid. Come on, elementary psychology tells us that fear is the appropriate response to danger. In fact, somebody will think you lost your sanity if you're not fearful in a time like this. That's not how Jesus saw it. He looks at them and said, you of little faith. Faith? We're about to drown. We've never seen anything like this. What faith are you talking about? Ah, listen, I know and you know that when you're going through a storm in life, the last thing you want, the last thing you need, the last thing you you cherish is somebody rebuking you, right? <laughs> and it's Jesus saying to them, when you are fearful, you have so little faith. When you are afraid of things, you're not fearing God. When you are fearful, you have lost confidence in the God who loves you. Why? Because fear is to Satan is what faith is to God. Fear is to Satan is what faith is to God. Young people, let me say something to you. I want to speak to the young people today. You have not been walking with God for too long. Your faith in Him is young. And one thing the Lord Jesus wants you to do is to strengthen your faith in Him. You may be an adult, but a baby Christian. You just began to walk with the Lord. And your faith in Him is weak He understands that. He wants to strengthen that faith. 
But if you've been walking with the Lord for decades, and you still go to the same fears, and you go back to the well of fear again and again and again, there's something wrong with your faith. I believe with all my heart that there's a very important lesson that the Lord Jesus wants to teach every one of us today, and it is this, that faith conquers fear every time, that faith defeats fear every time. But the question is, what does Jesus, or what did Jesus mean by faith? Faith, according to Jesus, is not some sort of a a vague notion of positive thinking, stiff upper lip. It's not some vague notion of possibility thinking. It's not some vague notion of a blind hope. It is not sheer willpower. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to fight this. I'm going to win over this. No, 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 no. This is not something you generate from inside of you. By faith, he is talking about an absolute, total, unqualified trust in Him. Did you get that? Faith in the God who cares for you. Trust, absolute trust in the God who redeemed you and delivered you from eternal death. Trust in the God who is trustworthy. Trust in the God who keeps His Word even if the world turns upside down. Trust in the God who has your best interest at heart. When Mark records this incident in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, when he records this incident, here's what he said. He said, Jesus said to the disciples, let's go to the other side. That's what he said. Let's go to the other side. He did not say, let's go in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and drown. Let's go on the other side. And he's there in the boat, asleep. (laughs) Now, to be sure, he never promised an easy ride, but he promised a safe arrival. Listen, you have to understand that fear is the mother of all negative emotions. You don't care what it is that you you dig deep, there's fear right there lurking in the middle. Fear is the center of all negative emotions. Fear is the root of all negative emotions. And that is why the Scripture gives it such a a wide press coverage. (laughs) That's why the Scripture gives it such big airtime. Because only faith can defeat fear every time. And you're going to see it. Every time you read the Scripture where there's an element of fear, there's faith. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord, and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Isaiah said in 12, 2, I will trust and not be afraid. Always. One on one side and one on the other. When one is up, the other one's down. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord liberated us from the captivities of fear. And what Jesus is saying to his disciples, Where is your trust in me? Where is it? Well, it wasn't there that night. Because faith 
defeats fear every time. And he's saying to them, had you exercised trust in me, you would have conquered your deepest of negative emotions. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about a very prominent man, very significant man, high up in society, well-known man, by the name of Jairus. And he came to Jesus, and he said to him, Jesus, the Bible said he was begging Jesus. He said, please, come. My 12-year-old daughter is sick to the point of death, and she's dying. Would you come and heal her, please? And Jesus said, fine. And he went in the direction of Jairus' home. He was heading home with, with Jairus. He responded to his prayer. But here's the problem. Jesus was taking his sweet time <laughs> getting there. Have you ever experienced that? <laughs> Jesus always takes his sweet time. Listen, <laughs> we're always in a hurry, but he's not. So, Jesus gets waylaid. I thought, just put yourself in Jairus' place. I mean, here you are on tenterhooks. I mean, literally, you know, come on, Jesus, come on, come on, come on, come on. She's very sick. This is serious, Lord. This is, this is, and, and Jesus gets and heals somebody here, talk to somebody there. Praise over someone here, and he constantly getting waylaid. And this poor man, heart is broken in two. Question, why? Because he thought Jesus can heal his daughter but not raise her from the dead. And so, sure enough, as he was begging the Lord, come, Lord, come, Lord, come, Lord, <laughs> a messenger comes in. And like Job said, all that I feared hath come upon me. <laughs> a messenger comes in, don't trouble the Lord. Just don't trouble him. Leave him alone. Your daughter is dead. You can only imagine what washed over him at that time and at that moment. It's too late. It's too late, right? How many times have you thought, it's too late? It's too late. Let me tell you something. It's never too late unless the Lord says it's too late. Did you get that? It's all over. She's dead. Jesus responds to this broken-hearted, cold sweat, Jairus standing there thinking it's too late. It's over. Luke chapter 8, in verse 49, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Lord, what do you mean don't be afraid? My daughter died. I got the message. They said she's dead. The girl is dead. What do you mean don't be afraid? Only believe and she will be healed. Don't be afraid. Only trust me and she will be healed. And sure enough, she was healed. What is Jesus doing? He's taking opportunity yet another one, in order that he may teach his disciples who are all with him and walking with him at the time and teach Jairus and Jairus' messengers and so everybody around is trying to teach him the same lesson over and over again. After all, he said he never promised an easy ride, but he promised a safe arrival. 
Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.